This is Johnny from Pet Needs, and you are listening to Stuart Pink on Phoenix FM. Yes, it is. And I'm very excited to say joining me from Essex's favourite punk rock rapper was Johnny from Pet Needs. Hello, Johnny. Hey, Stuart. How's it going, mate? It's going very well. Thanks for zooming in. Um, Can you describe the scene for us where you're zooming in from? Uh, Yeah, so I am zooming in from my spare bedroom, which um, we went to Ibiza, me and my wife, and we decided to make this into a bit of a hippie Ibiza room. Um, And then it became a storage space for all of the Pet Needs merch. So what was once a very chill space is now just surrounded by boxes of T-shirts and vinyl and CDs and things like that. (laughs) See, I was thinking that was a spare duvet, but that is rock and roll. That is now a pile of band shirts. Doesn't get any (laughs) more. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Um, So hopefully you won't be needing much space in the spare room now. This is it. We're going to sell out all the merch and then... You have the spare room back. Is that what she's charged you with? That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the plan, man. That's the plan. I should also introduce George Handler, who's on the radio with us as well. Hello, you, hello, everybody. In case you chip in with questions, a bit of those. I'm around. I'm. I'll, I'll floating chip voice. In if I can. Good, excellent, Jolly. I know this is a very exciting time for you and the band. Um, a new album coming soon, uh, which is sounding great already. We've already heard the new single. Uh, spinning it on the radio box. It's been an exciting project for you. Yeah, it's um, been amazing. This is the first ever album that we actually set out to make from the start as well. We've released one album before, um, but we'd already had most of the songs written for it before we decided to make an album. We started kind of like pushing them together and started like forming an album out of that. Uh, this time we set out to make this album right from the start. So it's not a concept album by any means, but we were like, right, how do we want the album to start? What journey do we want to take people on and how do we want it to end? And it was really exciting um, as a, as opposed to it being like kind of a scrapbook or a photo album. It felt more like kind of like writing a story or something where you kind of gave it that beginning, the middle and the end and you kind of thought about it in the terms of it being one kind of like whole piece. Um So, yeah, it's really cool. I'm really excited for people to hear it. I'm a little bit nervous for people to hear it because um, it's more honest uh, and more autobiographical than anything we've ever done before, uh, to the point that I had to sit my mum down the other day and have a conversation about uh, some of the (laughs) topics that are going to be coming out. Um, But musically, really proud of it, Um, really proud of the production as well. It was... um, recorded and produced by our friend and a guy that we've been doing a lot of touring with um frank turner um who's just absolutely smashed it out of the park and been able to spend two weeks in the studio with someone who's got that much professional experience and someone who we respect so much as a songwriter and now um as a producer as well for spending that time in the studio uh with him it's amazing and it's still our own kind of brand of what we call fractured party music but i think it's um at times a little bit more vulnerable at times a little bit heavier as well but it's still something that you can jump about to and party to as well excellent it must be so nice to kind of get all these songs down that i mean previously doing your other album then that must have been uh more kind of like chucking songs together and we've got that song we're going to put that in the album now having like this kind of long piece and the whole kind of finished product in mind what was it like the two of you all sitting down together to write this kind of epic um it was amazing. And what was really nice um, was that all the singles seem to come first. So the majority of the ones that we're putting out as singles are 
were the first kind of four or five songs that were written for the album. And then suddenly it was like, wait, I think we've written the singles now, which gives us the opportunity to now write album tracks. Whereas usually you're kind of like writing loads of stuff, but you're just kind of aiming for that single every time. And if you don't hit it as a single, it might become an album track. Whereas when we got stuff that was strong enough to be um, a single, then it gave us the space to go, right, let's write a five minute epic with like a big string section on it about like we've uh, written a big song that's kind of um weirdly about a reality tv star on a quiz show uh which we never thought we'd kind of like write something <laughs> like that or we've write written stuff that's kind of a little bit post hardcore and a little bit more screamy and then we've got one song on there which is uh literally just me and a guitar where i sat down and uh played on a Gibson from the 1930s and had about 14 microphones mm. all pointed at me. Oh, um, wow. And we did the whole thing in one take. Um, so having the singles kind of uh, come out of us that quick gave us the opportunity to not just aim for singles with every single song, but really explore loads of different avenues. Um, and uh, like you said, kind of like try and paint the whole thing into one big uh kind of project as well that even though it all goes in lots of different directions it kind of still stylistically makes sense and takes you on that journey um so it's an album that i'm so uh, so proud of and so excited for people to hear it it's really interesting when fractured party music came out i uh was excited to get it out there because it's the first time that we ever had an album or had a kind of a record but i kind of knew um at least what our friends' reactions was going to be because we'd already played all the songs live. Um, whereas this time we've played the singles live, but the rest of them, the, they didn't kind of um, grow or develop mainly because of lockdown as well. They didn't grow and develop on stage. They were all kind of like developed either in this room here um, or in the studio, which is a very, very different way to approach. And also we recorded it back in November um, and it's coming out kind of now whereas when we were uh putting singles out or putting eps out before we had signed to a record label i'd write something we'd record it and then we'd release it the next week with no kind of promo run or anything like that and yeah. consequently um like uh maybe about 100 people heard it or something like that um, so <laughs> it's a very very different approach to um write something then giving that album that time to kind of uh breathe and like come away from it and then return to it um but yeah we listened to it when we were on tour we listened to it in the van and we kind of can now we've got enough distance from it to listen to it with fresh ears um and yeah i'm super proud of it i'm excited uh for people to hear it Amazing. We can't wait to hear it too. Um, you mentioned our friend Frank Turner who's been on the show before. Big shout out to Frank. We understand he's an Essex man these days. Um, and I think last time yeah. he joined us to talk about his, his number one UK album, um, he was actually joining us from his home studio. Um, was this the same studio you went and hang out with essentially a shed? Yeah, that's it. That's it. A hundred percent. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's uh, kind of like in the bottom of his garden. He's filled it with the best gear in the world um hell of a shit yeah <laughs> yeah that's it that's it it's a very uh yeah very high-tech shed uh but it was cool it was um really nice and it was really cool that we were able to make a space that was so small into a space that was so creative as well um beforehand we've uh 
done things before where uh, we've recorded in massive spaces and there'll be like kind of a big grand piano in the middle of the room and stuff. And like, and I was, that's one of the things I was a little nervous at the start about uh, going into a space where it is kind of constricted. Um, mm. But then it kind of really brought a focus to everything as well, because you'd have one of the lads um, kind of in the little kind of like room where they were recording and then the rest of us all sitting in the uh kind of control room whereas before as well um it might be that we might be tracking drums or something and i'd just be wandering around the massive studios that we've recorded in like massive space wise and just like going somewhere else or going into a little room but because this was all kind of like we're all so on top of each other it forced everyone to be involved in every creative decision so even like with the drums all of us are sitting in the control room and all of us are focusing, all of us are listening to it, um, which means I think we were all so much more invested in everyone else's parts as well, um, which is really cool. And I learned more about production um, by doing this album than I ever have by doing anything before. And I think that's partly down to the way Frank works, partly down to where we were in the fact that we knew we were recording an album this time and uh, partly down to the actual space we recorded in as well. Amazing. Just like old times then, you and your brother sitting in a small room, rocking out. <laughs> That's exactly it. And we've been doing it for years. Like we formed our first band, I think, when I was about maybe 13 and he was 10 or maybe even younger than that. Uh, we never did any gigs, but then we formed another band when he was about 13 and I was about 16. Um, and we played kind of like old school punk in the style of kind of like X-ray specs kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And we loved it. And then I went off to university and uh, kind of our band split up and he stayed in Derby. And it was only a few years later when he came down uh, to live with me after kind of deciding to jack in his job working in an overnight garage um, and start afresh. I said, look, come stay on my sofa in Essex for a bit and we'll see what happens. And we both had guitars and we both started writing punk music. And that was about six years ago now. Um, and now we're here and we do it as a job, which is um, still mind blowing. Like it's, it still <laughs> blows my mind. I had to tell student loans the other day because I got a letter through the door saying, can you let us know? Because you're now not on payroll anywhere else. Can you let us know what you're doing? And I had to put self-employed musician, um, which one is terrifying because I used to get paid on the 27th of each month every and when the 27th rolls past and my wages don't fall in there <laughs> that's quite, quite scary. Uh, um, I'm so kind of experienced rich at the moment being able to like we've toured so much uh, this year already which has been such a privilege and it's kind of made me massively reassess, reassess what's uh, what's important in life as well because you're only here for a certain amount of years. Life's kind of a holiday, right? And like, so like when I'm lying on my deathbed in like however many years times, so I want to be the person with the stories and the person that definitely said yes to the opportunities, you know. What a way to live. That is an amazing message. Awesome. Uh, so we'll have a listen to your 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 single, one of the new singles off the new album, um, Fear for the Whole Damn World. What can you tell us about this one? Um, so this is a... Uh, kind of a bit of a tribute to my little kitten who we had in lockdown who sadly passed away uh, way too early. Um, oh. But so it's kind of written in tribute to her. She was a very punk rock cat and she deserved a punk rock song. Um, and then it's kind of focuses on uh, 
kind of her story, but then also focuses on sometimes I get into a headspace where I get this anxiety where I'm like uh, a little bit like what I was just telling you now about kind of how life's a holiday, but like, uh, am I doing the right thing in my life? Am I making the right life decisions? And it's like that kind of, um, I kind of like fear that I haven't done any good yet, but then I kind of like opened the window and I was looking out at the world when like the Tories were in power. And this is when Donald Trump was in power in the U S and stuff. And it was like, Oh my God, I am terrified about my own life and my own life decisions on the kind of micro <laughs> level. But then I opened the door and, I'm terrified about the world as well. So it's kind of a lot of uh, bundle, bundled up anxiety all in a uh, kind of uh, quite a rowdy punk song. <laughs> Excellent. Do you want to give it an introduction and we'll spin it now on Felix FM? Yeah, of course. Uh, my name's Johnny. I sing for the band Pet Needs and this is our new single, Fear for the Whole Damn World. Epic new stuff from Pet Needs, Fear for the Whole Damn World. Johnny from the band is still with me. Dude, what a head-banging tune. Oh, thank you so much, man. Yeah, yeah, really proud of it. I really liked um, on the arrangement of this song, actually, um, that we got our friend Malachi to uh, lay some cello down on it right at the end. So if you listen carefully, oh, um, nice. there's a really nice kind of cello line that kind of weaves in with the uh, guitar line. Um which is something that we'd never kind of like uh, really tried in like a heavy song before. But yeah, if you listen to it again, listen to out for that. Cause he is, I mean, he's like a proper musician. Sometimes we work with proper musicians. <laughs> a punk rock and, uh, player. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's played on some slower stuff on the album as well, but we really liked that he laid down a really nice cello line um, in a heavy part of the song, you know? Amazing. So it's from your album, primetime entertainment, which comes out very soon. Um, I think when you were last on the station, you were chatting to Paul Golder, uh, Resurrection, 8pm Fridays. And uh, yeah. he was talking to you about a gig you were about to do um, with a pop-up orchestra. Uh, so mm. I'm interested, when you did that, is that kind of in, fed into the way that you've put this album together? You mentioned a bit about orchestral arrangements and some uh, some classical sort of influence. Yeah, so that gig um, was the most nervous I've ever been for anything ever in my <laughs> whole entire life. I warmed up. We only, were only playing two songs and there were two songs. One of them uh, is to date uh, is our biggest single off the last album one called Tracy Emin's Bed. And I had the all of the words to the song that I'd sung a hundred times on the floor on the piece of paper in case I forgot it. <laughs> Just and I warmed, yeah. That's it. And I, I'd warmed up for this show for five hours because I was like, if my voice goes around, because it's all being filmed as well. The video hasn't come out yet. There's a few YouTube videos and stuff, but uh, like recorded on phones. Um, but the experience was amazing. And we didn't get a proper rehearsal with the band. We got to have a rehearsal um, with about a quarter of the band. Uh, the, I say the band, sorry, the orchestra, uh, with about a quarter of the orchestra the day before. And then we didn't have a real proper time to rehearse properly with the orchestra because they're all kind of uh, like grade eight musicians. They just sight yeah. read it all. They were just um, it like a book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. So when we went on and we started, um, like the music started quiet and then it built up and then it all just exploded. Whoa. And I was feeling it for the first time at the same time as the audience. And it was one of the most overwhelming experiences there's two two times in my life that i've shed a tear when i've come off stage um and number one uh was 
that show because it was just like I had because we only did two songs as well. I had so much pent up emotion yeah. that I've been building up to it for so long. <laughs> um, and then the second uh, was when I came off stage in Los Angeles um, the other day because we just finished a two month tour of America, uh, which was nuts. Um, but yeah, I think uh, that orchestral show, uh, how it affected the writing. I don't think it did because we recorded the album before we did the show. Um, however, it's uh, made me really appreciate the power of just strings and brass and stuff like that. And we're really lucky that we've included that kind of stuff on the album already. Um, what it's made me want to do as well, and I've already been talking to Sean Boswell, who's a guy that kind of arranges it all. Um, I've been trying to persuade him to let us do a full, like, do a full show with them. Oh, Maybe we can do like amazing. a full hour set. Um, yes. he's he's going to take a little bit more persuaded at the moment because it's a lot of work <laughs> on their part um, but it would be incredible because it's still uh, hands down the most overwhelming amazing show that I've ever played in my whole entire life I feel like one of my favourite albums of all time is Metallica's S&M the whole rock guitar yeah, yeah. orchestra I made this Essex version let's do it let's do it yeah it works so well I remember maybe about 10 years ago or something the BBC did a um uh, did a series of them where they do. I know. I remember the streets did one, um, and it's just amazing. And then different style of music completely. Um, but I went. I think it was last year or the year before to see Pete Tong and the Royal Heritage Orchestra. And um, oh, my wow. uh, my wife Lorna, she's really into kind of uh, garage music and house music when she was younger. And uh, it wasn't really my style, but um, I could kind of appreciate it um, in the same way I might appreciate a piece of art or something like that. But I wouldn't like choose to put it on. But then uh, I kind of like went and we were in uh, the O2, like the Millennium Dome. So they had amazing, massive speakers. And it's like this 100 piece orchestra comes out and starts playing this garage music. And it just blew me away. There's something about an orchestra that's so um just so emotive and just like hits you just in the field uh so yeah if we could ever do something like with an orchestra like for a full set it'd be uh, incredible mind-blowing stuff absolutely you mentioned your live yeah. shows you've been on tour with frank turner recently the 50 took 50 mm. dates and 50 states or something like that like i remember the exact title that's but it. amazing stuff um you're out on not one but two european tours uh for this next album I don't know what's announced yet, but uh, there's loads of stuff that I don't know what's announced and what is announced. But yeah, there's loads of plans to uh, head out to Europe again. The stuff that I know that's definitely announced so far is that we're out um, in Berlin in September uh, doing Lost Evenings with um, Frank Turner, which is going to be really cool. And then we come back and we do a whole UK tour with Frank. I think the closest show to Essex is uh, Brixton Academy on the 25th of September. And then there's a few things that are yet to be announced um, kind of in between that. And then the biggest thing that personally we're heading towards at the moment is the 16th of December, um, which is Colchester Arts Centre, which is our biggest headliner to date, um, which is on the verge of selling out. It's about 30 tickets away from selling out now, uh, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And like we I moved to Colchester like maybe about seven or eight years ago um, and when you're a local band or a local musician, like 
playing Colchester Art Centre, which is like an old kind of like converted church. It's beautiful and the sound's amazing in there, the light's amazing in there. Um, you kind of got that kind of like nod of respect if you played the Art Centre, if you were kind of like an opening band or something. And uh, to be able to headline that place is um, just incredible. And the fact that it looks like we might be playing a sold out show there as well. Uh, just absolutely, nice. absolutely blows my mind. So, yeah, that's what we're heading towards. And then there's plans for us to get back out to Europe and get back out to America and stuff. Um, uh, unannounced so far, and some are kind of like in the works behind the scenes as well. Uh, but the plan, Stuart, is just to be as busy as possible and keep getting out to as many people as possible because we're just, we've had such an opportunity and we just want to like grab it with both hands, man. Johnny, real quick, when you're as, as a musician, when you go, when you go live, mm. obviously, you are a punk group, a punk group throughout since punk basically started. They've been so well known for their live performances, just being chaotic and really stand out. How do you as a band, how do you try to stand out in the midst of artists like Frank Turner when you play, when you're playing dummy, he sets as well. Yeah, sure. I think um, when it's very interesting, because when you're playing, uh, when you're a support band, it's like you're being invited to someone else's party and you've yeah. got half an hour to get in and you've got to presume that nobody knows you. Like yeah. as you go around, kind of like um, more and more people uh, kind of like begin to know you want to talk as kind of word spreads, but you've got to presume that nobody knows you. And we kind of uh, like work the set in a way that we, because you've only got half an hour, you kind of do your kind of greatest hits, basically. You go in and get all your singles out and stuff, all your really, really high energy stuff. Um, but then weirdly with me, I think a, a lot of it is uh, the what you're saying to the audiences between songs as well and how you're getting people on side, because you can go on and you can play the tightest set in the world. But if you're, not really speaking to the audience people might enjoy the music but they don't really get the personality across as well yeah. and i'm really a massive fan of kind of uh kind of um stand-up comedy and i've also like I've, I've got a degree in psychology and i'm really into kind of crowd psychology and stuff yeah. and how to kind of win people over and how to get people on side um so i think a way to stand out obviously like as a punk band play fast and play hard and play every single show like it's your last show but then um really think about what you're going to say to the audience and how you're going to get people on side as well and how you're going to get people not just um fans of the band but that people really want to be advocates of the band afterwards as well and want to shout about the bands mm. and i think the other thing that we do is uh we make sure that we sell our own merchandise as well so we jump straight off stage and two of us, our drummer and our bass player, they pack down the stage and me and George just run straight off uh, the stage through the crowd, right over to the merch desk. And then within like a minute, um, <laughs> even if it's a venue like Brixton Academy, within a minute we're on the merch desk and we're selling our own merch and we're having those conversations and we're making friends and then we're building those connections. And especially when we're in America, we, um, had so many amazing experiences as a result of building those connections as well. Like we met someone on the merch desk who worked for uh, Disney world. And the next day we got VIP passes to Disney world. And suddenly we were on all the, all the rides oh, and stuff. 
living the dream. So I th- <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I think, yeah, the impression that you make on stage is really important. And it's about kind of like being humble and making that connection, but also so much of uh, this business, because it is a business, but at our level, um, it's about making friends and about making friends and giving people the time and making people feel valued. Um, and then next time you come around, uh, people should be excited for you to come back uh, when you're playing the smaller room, when you're headlining yourself. Yeah, because as from the fans' point of view as well, if, you, if you're if you watching a supporting act uh, that's only playing like 30 minutes, say, you, you want to be, you, you want to go back to it. I mean, I've seen gigs before that when you, you, you see, you see 30 minutes, as long as I'm hooked by what's going on on stage and the personality they show, I want to go back more. It's not just sound. It's also what you're saying. And I, I, I feel that as a watching a punk group, I want to see, I want to see a personality. I want to see how you go against the, yeah. the rules of punk of the nonconformity and, and the establishment to, to say, and it's that it really sounds like, uh, really sounds like, uh, pet, pet needs are really, really promoting that. That's it, man. And I got a piece of advice once, um, which was always start with your best song and finish with your second best song. Uh, Cause then you go on cause your first impression is so important. So you've just got to go out and whereas you think usually it's kind of like, you think like, Oh no, finishing your best song kind of work up to a, a kind of massive crescendo, but you've got to go out. And if people aren't hooked within 30 seconds or if people aren't, don't stop their conversation with 30 seconds, within 30 seconds, uh, you could lose the audience straight away, you know. So you've just got to go out, um, go out fast and go out hard and go out with uh, what you think at least is your best song. And then uh, it's about having the confidence to uh, uh, to say, yeah, yeah, we do belong here. We deserve your attention, but also having the humility to be able to communicate with people on a level where you're not arrogant at all. Um, you're just kind of like open about it. And when we were in America, especially, uh, like one of the things that we were saying was that um, like we genuinely set up this band like five, six years ago. So we could play punk songs to our mates in Colchester in Essex and just being really honest about how absolutely nuts it is that we're now playing this in Los Angeles or Las Vegas or like <laughs> Chicago or something. Uh, it was just, so that was a kind of angle that we went with that, that it was just absolutely you're just bonkers it was uh, which is true it's just like it's being completely honest nice that's a lovely question and a great a great answer great advice i think the best yeah, advice the crowd then yeah is is don't go and gather beer get there early to see the support band because they'll do the best song first <laughs> yes that's it yeah yeah definitely excellent thanks so much for joining us so pet needs to be on at colchester art center on the 16th of december that's our local gig uh, which we're going to be plugging uh, but almost sold out so get there fast um jolly thank you so much for chatting to us it's been great good luck with the album when it lands cannot wait to get it in our ears and in our lives and uh come see you down there for some merch Hope nice one there, cheers really. guys really good to see you both cheers nice <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that chat half as much as I did. Before you go, there are hundreds more great conversations like this one available to listen to anytime for free on the Now You're Talking podcast. It would really do me a huge favour if you gave this podcast a review wherever you're listening to it. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already and share it with your friends. Oh, and I'd love it if you popped me a follow and a message on social media too. 
You can find me on every platform you're on, uh, all under the same username, at Stupink, S-T-E-W-P-I-N-K. Or you can get in touch on my website, stuartpink.com. Yeah, that was great, man. That was fantastic. I really enjoyed that as well. It's nice. I've just been doing quite a few that were very, very uh, quick and snappy. So it's nice to do something a little bit more long form. (laughs) Nice one. It's cool. Yeah. Good to see you both.